Welcome to the Peak Performing Team, a podcast for business leaders that want to cultivate more innovation, productivity, and well-being on their teams, especially in the middle of chaotic times. This podcast features advice on getting the right people started right, fostering inclusive teamwork, preventing burnout, and so much more. So now, let's join best-selling author, organizational health, and teamwork strategist, Faith Clark, for this episode of The Peak Performing Team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very first episode in my podcast mini-series. I'm taking a pause from my regular podcast just to do a quick series on effective, high-performing teams because I'm inviting you into something really special. I know you want a team that's effective. I know you want a dream team. I know that if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a small business leader, you know that the thing you are creating, if it's if it's big enough, if it's majestic enough, if you've really allowed yourself to dream about what you could create, you know that you need people to help you create it. If it's something you could do on your own, it's probably not your full vision, right? So you know you need people. And we've seen these images of what effective teamwork could look like. Everybody has their favorite sports team that's kind of really doing the thing. And we've seen some teams that really think and act together amazingly. And I know you have in your mind this dream team. When you think about your project, your business, your staff, your workplace, the the place that you are are nourishing to make the world a better place. Right? Put to put products and services in place to make the world a better place. You have in your mind to just stop now, pause maybe if you don't have your dream team in your mind, and then just tell me, send me a message if this is what you have in mind. You you have in mind people who will think and act together. You have in mind people who will coordinate their activities without you being the bottleneck, right? Without you being the stopping point every minute. You you have in mind people who are going to adapt when stuff gets thrown at them without needing to ask you all the questions every second. And to have that team, one some of the ingredients of that team or some of the, the, the mindsets or the capacities for the people on that team is that those people need to know what needs to be done and they don't they can't just know their own work. You know, sometimes we have on teams people who are just like, this is my job, I don't care, that's not my business, that's beyond my pay grade. But actually the dream team, people know their work, but they know other people's work as well, so that they know the connection between what they're doing and what other people are doing. There's a strong interpersonal and emotional connection between team members. I mean they don't have to be best friends, but there is a strong connection that makes communication more effective and that makes behavior coordination, that makes working together more effective. And especially when we're in a pandemic, like we are now at the point of this recording, these kinds of connections and these kinds of behaviors help teams to be able to pivot and adapt and respond amazingly like we've seen this in the pandemic with some schools some businesses just restructured people held on to each other overnight new models of how to work together came up that fit the context that we were in but we've also seen 
some people just didn't make it. Some teams didn't respond. Some people, some teams became fragmented. And this idea of thinking and acting together was really challenged in some teams. I've noticed that this dream team that we're all craving, I've noticed that I had ideas that the dream team required um, super smart, super effective people. Like I, I thought that experts put together would become an expert team. And I felt challenged like as a new entrepreneur when I was starting my business or even before when I was having my home team for my son, how would I be able to afford the experts to come together to make an expert team? And I'm so grateful for autism teaching me the answer to this question because I thought expertise was what I needed. And when my son received services that brought experts into our home, I saw how much these people couldn't work together. And the effect of that was exhaustion in me. I was, I just, I, I started to dread when the teacher came to the house, when the therapist came to the house, everybody had their own agenda and they didn't know my child, but they didn't know how to make me a part of the team. It was crazy business. When I decided to homeschool and I decided to create my own team, I utilized like years of work with nonprofits and community organizations, volunteers, and I created a team of volunteers using, I called it an internship. And just in how I crafted it, I found that I was able to attract people to work with my son 34 hours per week. These people were able to sustain high levels of engagement over the long haul in the context of autism, which was for sure an unpredictable context. Like I did train them, but they needed to be able to just respond and pivot. And it was interesting to me because I got so much feedback from members of this team about not just how fulfilling the work was, but also how their lives were impacted, how relationships were improved, how their ability to pursue their goals and how their schoolwork was improving. I had a lot of graduate students. And so the answer to my question was that, whoa, I don't have to attract a team of experts. What I need is to create a nourishing context for the people that I'm attracting. I do need to attract the right people, but I need to create a nourishing context that helps people think and act together. So we've seen this in this seamless thinking and acting together. It looks seamless to us. I'm calling that state collective flow. That's one jargony phrase that I'll use, collective flow. That's what the dream team shows, right? And we want that in our businesses. But the reality that we face, this, the models that we've seen, is that is of teams underperforming. Actually, 90% of teams don't work. Teamwork doesn't work on teams. We put people together and it, it's, it doesn't work most of the time. And small businesses especially struggle because a small business by definition is lean, like its resources are tight. How are we going to get people in to help us get the team working? Many small business leaders hire their first five, 10 people and find out that they have more work they thought they were hiring the team to help them have less work and it ends up being more work and work they don't enjoy because instead of staying in their leadership genius, the thing that they started the business to be able to do, they're spending time trying to help people do the things that they're supposed to do. It's like they need to clone themselves five times and, and many people, many small business leaders become exhausted and those first few hires are expensive 
for the business, emotionally expensive for the leader and for the leaders involved. And then, of course, the onboarding and then the rehiring. They're physically expensive. The re- replacing somebody that you've hired is almost the cost of the person's salary. So it's it's a prohibitive struggle that many small businesses face. And we don't have the resources to kind of hire Deloitte or somebody to come in and do what wave a magic wand. And by the way, the large consulting companies um, that do this work, they're not waving a magic wand either. And some of the underlying issues that we're going to talk about in these episodes remain even after large consulting firms leave. So it's important for us to understand how to help a team really work well without having to do this massive expenditure and stop all the presses and create something different. Um, The struggle to help a team become more effective when they're ineffective and out of sync, the struggle is real and part of that out of syncness is what comes when you see this team leader. I know a a team is out of sync when I see the team leader in too many roles. I'm giggling because I'm remembering a board a board retreat, a strategic planning retreat that I facilitated. And we were characterizing the leader. And the leader, although he needed to have been like the orchestra conductor, he was the orchestra conductor while playing the tuba and sweeping the floor and, you know, ushering people into the concert. I mean, he was the quintessential being in all the roles at the same time. Impossible in real life, yet many people, many leaders are doing that. I hope that's not what that's not what's happening with you on your team. So when we don't help our teams get on the same page quickly and adapt quickly, those teams don't last. And we, we think our team is lasting, but what's happening is that we keep changing people out. So the team is not lasting. It's, it's not being sustained. When we have a massive um, contextual issue, like a massive trauma, like the pandemic or a financial crisis or something major happens, that team becomes obsolete because it can't it can't bounce back. It has no it has no bounce. And what we tend to try in moments like these, when we notice as small business leaders, and we notice that this is what's going on, we're exhausted, we're in, in all the things. We try to think about, oh, what's our hiring practices? Maybe I need to improve that, right? I'm choosing the wrong people. I need to figure out our whole protocol. Something needs to change there, or. We need better project management tools like my Slack channel is not working or I need a Slack channel. We figure out maybe we should have a class on, you know, um, team communication. Let's figure out what the rules of our team communication need to be. And maybe we do like a color personality profile color thing so that we can figure out our relationships. And maybe we decide to get a funder or get a loan so we can high, um, increase salaries, right? We, uh, we come up with these solutions to try to help ourselves with this problem. And these are amazing solutions. Don't get me wrong. They're amazing solutions. But they do not get to the core issue that teams need to um, address to cultivate effective teamwork, especially in our business teams. How do we cultivate this effective teamwork? How do we build the dream team? I'm going to talk over the next few episodes about how we create a team culture that's nourishing. I Lots of people feel that culture emerges 
And lots of organizations, small businesses, they're so busy doing all the things that they they kind of allow the culture to emerge. I'm I'm a person for let's design the culture we want. And so if you want to create a team culture that's nourishing and that is energizing and that's effective and helps your team to be efficient, then let's design that culture together. And part of how we design that culture together is to get basics of how humans are nourished into place, into our strategic plan, like figuring out how the plan works, figuring out what the workflow should look like so that people are honored and differences are supported and skills and strengths are maximized, that the, the team works together in a really integrated, like humming way, like like a well-oiled machine, you know, n- no cliche intended, intended. Um, So let's figure out how to design the culture and put in these components that helps um, our teams be as effective as possible. This is a cultivation. I love the word cultivate because it's, I'm not an agricultural person. I actually kill plants. My grandmother was a plant person and I did not pay attention to what she was doing. And so I'm just struggling to cultivate my plants, but cultivate says that we need to get both the right ingredients and then the right environment. There's an environment piece that's even more important than ingredients, if you want to put it that way. We can get the best possible seeds and throw it into a poor environment and then and then it just it doesn't work out, right? Or, or like with my poor plants that stayed outside while it was too cold. So deliberately putting these ingredients in place to create an incredible collective experience in our companies will help us build teams that sustain and that energize and that perform at incredibly high levels without burnout and without us having to do the persistent, you know, three-day offsite and all the things. Although I am all for a good team retreat. I'm not saying no, but many of us as small businesses, that's not something that's affordable. And I am a big proponent of you don't need to do things that are outside of your normal work. We can change the work so that people continue to be effective and are even more effective. And yet they are also nourished and everything is sustained. And this ends up being cheaper, honestly. By the way, I some of this, some of what I'm going to be talking about in our in the next few episodes and in this episode is the the, the summary of like tons of research articles that I've read for my PhD research, as well as tons of practice in in watching organizations, watching sports teams, working with community organizations and school teams, just looking at teams in every aspect of their development and just noticing the, the similarities between what we're seeing in the workplace and what we've seen in organizational psychology literature around how to make teams work, right? So this is just a combination of a ton of things. If you have a question, I can send you either an article or an, a case study on almost any of these ideas that we're going to talk about. So here's the deal. Here's the basics. If you hear nothing else for this episode, hear this one thing. This flow state that we've been talking about, the collective flow that is the habit of our, you know, kind of dream team, that collective flow, that flow state happens when we design the team's work 
to meet the team member's deepest cravings. This kind of team has the energy to keep being productive over the long haul. And when I say meet people's deepest cravings, I basically mean meet core human needs. And no, I'm not talking about, you know, water and sleep and stuff. Although if you are not, if you're interfering with the meeting of basic needs like water and sleep, that's something, that's not what we're talking about here, but that's something that does need to be addressed. If I remember when my boss said to me when I worked on Wall Street that I didn't need to take my entire lunch break. And I thought she basically was saying, shove your food down and get back so that we can finish decoding the problem. And I'm not I'm not saying that that might not be needed at times, but just pay attention to how we are thwarting need fulfillment. We can't thwart need fulfillment and expect our teams to thrive and be effective. But the basic needs that I'm talking about is the need. Well, the core need to be included is the one that I'm anchoring all of this conversation on because this inclusion as I define it and I'm going to define it in a minute handles the basic need for belonging basic human need for belonging basic human need for autonomy and agency basic human need to feel competent in the work that we do all those basic needs are met by effective inclusion practices there was a, um, an intervention that was done at UC Austin, uh, an academic I love, a practitioner that I love, John Powell. He talked about this intervention for Latinx college students at UC Austin. It was a belonging intervention. They layered in belonging. Students were struggling to complete the program and they thought it was, you know, maybe the students had not been properly prepared and they layered in interventions around helping people know more things. And that didn't work. Instead, they layered in interventions around belonging. GPAs went through the roof. They actually thought that the numbers were cooked, like something was wrong. What, how, how are these numbers jumping up? How are these grade point averages of students who did not, uh, were not finishing how did this shift belonging? And there, there's just so many examples all over that when we layer in belonging, we change the name of the game in such incredible ways. Humans perform differently. Fundamentally, humans perform differently when they feel like they belong. It's a cheap intervention. So when we lean into inclusivity, which means leaning into practices that help people feel like they belong, help people to feel grateful that they belong, help people to know that this is a space where they can thrive. That's Claude Steele's definition of inclusion, and I love it. When we layer in these practices, we basically check off belonging, autonomy, com competency, and people can do their best work. When people can do their best work because they are nourished, like they are their own energy producing machine, this is what we end up seeing. I end up in places where people talk, ask me questions about diversity and inclusion a lot. And, um, and people will say, you know, I want, I want to, I really feel convicted about my space being a homogenous space. I have, you know, only white employees or, or whatever the, the, uniformity is and I want more diversity how do I do it and I say work on inclusivity first when we layer in inclusivity in our teams in our businesses guess what happens engagement almost doubles 
Now, this was shocking to me because I think, wait, so we have spaces where people feel like they don't belong and engagement is half of what it could be. Even on teams where people are effective, like in other words, even on teams where people are doing okay, where the team is producing, people are doing half of what they could be doing because they are busy protecting themselves because they don't feel like they belong. And so we are throwing away money and, and all of the, the, the stuff we'll talk about people who are half at work, right? And less than half at work because of how work is feels toxic. We are throwing away money when we have employees and team members who are not fully engaged. And we can do something about that by layering in this a deep sense of being included and feeling like you belong. Because when we do that, we are able to max out engagement, productivity, and of course, well-being, health, and then retention. Like actually, we don't have the revolving door situation that many of us end up having, especially in the small business space where we're constantly changing out that VA. We're constantly like the first few people such a revolving door, we're able to have higher retention, which makes the cost of our teams so much lower and the, re- the return from our teams so much higher. But overall, bigger than that, we have healthier spaces, right? We, we have healthier people. And I'm a proponent of a healthier world. And those of you who know me know that part of what makes me really passionate about this, the team is the space. It's the opportunity that all of us have because we need teams it's an opportunity that all of us have to heal the communal pain of othering like right now in the world that we live in we are all experiencing the pain of being othered we are we have othered people in other words we have put some people out of our circle and called them them and we are us and you know and we also have been the thems we have been the ones on the outside we've been both the ones with privilege and the ones without privilege at the same time and our world is is crying from the pain of othering and the opportunity to heal in every area is in front of us right now as business leaders we can be on the forefront of this just by helping our teams be healthy spaces and our team members be healthier people because we provide that environment. So be, I, I invite you to be in this space, yes, for productivity, but also to heal the world through disrupting business as usual, right? So when teamwork satisfies the team members' deepest cravings, team productivity is gonna be through the roof, the team has energy to keep being productive over the long haul, adaptability and pivoting becomes easy. So as I wrap this up, here's what I'm going to ask you to think about. Where in your work with your team do you think you need to pay attention to this whole thing of need fulfillment? Is it in um, what's thwarting? What's thwarting the satisfaction of human need in the way that you work? And a big clue is if you are the team leader, if you are the business leader, then I'm asking you, what's thwarting the satisfaction of your own needs? 
in your work. If there's something that you are doing to kind of not allow your own core needs to be met, your need to belong, your need to feel competent, your need to be autonomous, if those needs aren't being met for you in some way, guaranteed they're not being met for your team. So you could definitely start there and then just look outward. Where else would there be an opportunity for you with your team to level up productivity and engagement in really holistic ways. For the next episode, I'm going to go into the opportunity that I think is a missed opportunity for so many of us on our teams, and that's the team meetings. I can't tell you how many complaints I've gotten about team meetings, right? We wish we didn't have that meeting. What a waste of time. This meeting was such a waste of time. It doesn't have to be. And so in the next episode, I'm going to talk about ways to reframe the opportunities of being together that we have in our team meeting and how to design that meeting, any meeting, so that some of this that we talked about today is addressed, is handled in nourishing ways. If any of this is interesting to you, I have a team performance audit. This just is a checklist plus conversation that helps you think about what that next step is for your team to help level up this adaptability and performance in really healthy human ways. Right? How do we level up performance and thriving at the same time? We don't have to choose. The team performance audit will help with that. So go to faithclark.com, click on team performance audit, and we will send you the document. You'll fill out the things and then have a conversation with us and we'll help you pinpoint that next step. Until next time, thank you for joining us. See you soon. This has been another episode of the Peak Performing Team where we help business leaders cultivate more innovation, productivity, and well-being on their teams. If you liked today's episode, please share it with someone and write a review on iTunes. If you're curious about how this would work with your team, go to faithclark.com, schedule a quick team performance audit, and get customized team strategies and solutions.